You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 289, Snapshot of the Church in 2020, Part 3. Now, I actually intended to end this episode, or actually this series, last week on looking at different trends in the contemporary church. Um, If you'll remember, in the last two episodes, we actually spent time working through an article by David Kinneman of the Barna Group, who predicts that within 18 months, um, we could see as many as 20%, one in five, of all the churches in the U.S. and even into the world shutting down. Now, just as a way of reminder, uh, David Kinneman is is part of the Barna Group, and the Barna Group studies church trends. They do excellent research. They are the group to go to if you want to kind of look at trends in the church, to see what's happening, to see where the church is, um, how the church is dealing with, with the different challenges that are popping up today. Phenomenal group, and they've been around for a number of years. And so that was my goal, was to deal with that and and, and then move on. But another article came out, this by George Barna, the founder of the Barna Group. And this came out in early October. I'm recording this uh, towards the middle of October uh, 2020. And George Barna says this, We're experiencing another reformation, but not in a good way. Now, George Barna, as we said, he founded the Barna Group, so they do their research, they do their studies, and they kind of help us see what's going on in modern Christianity and in the modern church. And um, this is an extremely disturbing article. It's so disturbing that I thought we should kind of go through it. I'll, I'll include a, a link in the show notes to it you can, so you can read it yourself. But it was so disturbing, I wanted for us to spend some time kind of talking through some of the key points and, and and just kind of seeing maybe how it applies to us. And as a way of introduction, a couple of the first things that, um, a, few, a few, few of the things Barna said at the beginning of the article, he says, unlike the Protestant Reformation, whose goal was to return to the foundational teachings of the Bible, this modern movement is one where Americans are redefining biblical beliefs according to secular values. Uh, A couple of paragraphs later, he says, The theology of this Reformation is being driven by American culture rather than biblical truth. The worldview embraced by the inherence of these distinct religious communities reflect contemporary worldly influence rather than biblical influence. And we will unpack that in just a minute. All right, don't go away. We'll be right back. We're going to jump into this exciting 
um, an interesting topic. <clears throat> but I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my newest book, Storm Clouds Rising. This is an exciting, fast-paced novel that uh, that I know you're going to love. Um, I, I, I recommend everybody go to Amazon, click on the link, go to Amazon, read the first chapter or two for free. And then if you like it, buy it. Um, this is a fast-paced novel. It's a thriller. Most people who, who, who read my fiction love my characters. Um, some of the feedback that I'm getting on Amazon and other places, people are absolutely eating up the stories. And, you know, sometimes it's good, especially in a crazy year like 2020, just to have a little bit of diversion every now and then. Um, you know, I love to read the heavy stuff. I mean, I'm a theologian. I'm a Bible scholar. I love to read all that stuff. But, you know, sometimes you just need something to take your mind off the heavy stuff as well. So check out Storm Clouds Rising. I know you'll love it. Well, all right. George Barna says that... This modern movement is one where Americans are redefining biblical beliefs according to secular values. And he talks about American culture. Um, this theology is being driven by American culture rather than biblical truth. Now, this is really important because, you know, we are actually in a period um, where, where many people who study church history would actually say we are a, a post Christian society. Um, when I was growing up, we would have probably been considered a Christian society. Now, obviously, everybody in America is not a Christian, and they, they, they never have been. But there was a, a leaning towards those values, and those values helped shape American culture. And we've moved so far away from that now that this Reformation, that, that this new Reformation that Barna talks about, says that, that American culture is actually redefining the church rather than biblical truth. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's a good idea at any point in history for American culture to really define the church, but 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago, there was a little bit closer lining up of certain values, but I think we've moved so far away from that now that there's no danger of that. Now, as we as we kind of go through this article, I want to let you know just kind of what they did, then we're going to hit some of the high points and talk about it. Um, the the study that they did, it says in January of 2020, they surveyed 2,000 adults, so a pretty large uh, group, in the U.S. from four major groups. Evangelicals, Pentecostals and Charismatics, mainline Protestants, and Catholics. So this is a, a really wide uh, segment of Christianity, and they ask the respondents about 51 topics. They ask for their views on 51 topics. These included marriage, absolute truth, the sanctity of human life, the authority of the Bible, and absolutely fascinating to see that among all of these groups, it showed a clear trend away from the Bible, what Christians have held traditionally to the Bible, and much more to a secular world view. Now, I want to give you a couple of examples of what we're talking about here. <clears throat> Over 60% of these people who would probably say that they are Christians 
do not believe in an absolute moral truth. They don't believe in absolute moral law. Now, this is, this is amazing because I want you to think about what we're talking about here. Because the government schools, public schools, have done their job so well, an entire generation has bought into this uh, false teaching of relativism. Of relativism. That, you know, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And that now there's, there's no real absolute moral truth. And this is so dangerous because it undermines our understanding of God. If, if there's no absolute moral truth, then we might as well say there's no God. Because God is the, the one who established um, the truth. Remember, in the Old Testament, God revealed himself to the nation of Israel, and he gave them ten commandments and said, this is my law. And you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was the Old Testament. That was the Old Testament. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus was asked, which is the most important commandment? And he, he you know, you know, another, Jesus never said that he came to do away with the commandments, but he came to, to really fulfill them. But he was asked, which was the most important? And Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. There's not many truths. There's not many gods. There's not many lords. There's one. And Jesus said the most important is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And that's from Mark 12, 28 to 31. So Jesus is actually summarizing how we are to live out the law. And it's not that the, the other Ten Commandments aren't important. The rest of the Ten Commandments aren't important. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away, from, do away with them. I came to fulfill them. And so for us to say that there's no moral law, there's no moral truth, that we're in a real sense saying there's no God. And this is, how dangerous is this to be asking that question within churches? Another area that the, uh, the survey dealt with, it dealt with marriage. Um, gosh, almost 50% of the respondents did not necessarily believe that marriage was an institution between a man and a woman. And, you know, you can see where we're going there. The trend towards gay marriage and every other kind of marriage you can imagine, um, marriage has been minimized. It's been reduced. It's well, it's been changed from what God intended. Listen to what the, the scriptures say. And this is Jesus talking. He said, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And uh, that's from Luke 10, 6 through 9. <clears throat> so we see here, this is Jesus, the Son of God talking, and he's referring to these passages in the Old Testament, but he's affirming their truth. <clears throat> now, a number, I want to say almost 40% of the folks who were surveyed um, did not believe that the scriptures were inspired by God. So Jesus may have said this, but 
How do we really know that it's true? And again, we have to go back to the fact that Christians have believed this from the beginning. Um, there's a, a, a very strong, strong reason that we believe the scriptures are inspired by God. Um, and, you know, the, I've, I've done a number of podcasts on that, so we'll, we'll deal with that another time. But understand the scriptures are the basis of our faith. Now, another area that they dealt with was the sanctity of human life. Obviously, we're in election season. Um, We're less than a month away from the presidential election in 2020. And one of the issues, one of the, the, um, well, it's been an issue for years now, is that of abortion. It is the law of the land and and the sanctity of human life. You know, over 40%, over 40% of those who were surveyed, these are church members, these are people who are in church, who call themselves Christians, over 40% don't believe that the Bible is clear on what it says about abortion. And there's a number of passages, but I want to read just this one from Psalm 139. It says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet, as of yet, as yet there was none of them. That's Psalm 139, 13-16. The sanctity of human life. And again, there's, there's multiple scriptures that we can go to, but you wonder, where do these folks get this? Obviously, um, if the Bible is being taught and preached in their particular churches, they're not getting it there. But it's the secular culture, it's society, which is shaping the belief system of Christians. Another one that's just absolutely amazing for people who call themselves Christians. 62% said that it really doesn't matter who or what you have faith in as long as you have faith in something. Listen to that again. 62% said that it really doesn't matter who or what you have faith in as long as you have faith in something. Doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. Mm. You know, Jesus said this, John 14, 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Peter, talking to the religious leaders after they've been arrested, in Acts 4 says this, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. You know, if if there's other ways to God, why did Jesus have to die? Um, this was God's intention all along. And I know, look, I know this is not politically correct. I know it hurts people's feelings. I know it makes Christians sound intolerant. But there, at least there is a way to God. There is a way to reconnect with Him. And there is a way for salvation. It's through Jesus. And He's the... The, the mediator between God and man. And just because people don't like it, just because it hurts their feelings, doesn't mean it's not true. Just because it doesn't fit in with what they 
Think about God doesn't mean it's not true. And, and you know, we can scream lies to our blue in the face, but it doesn't make them true. And, you know, we started off talking about this whole um, ultimate truth thing. Um, this idea that, you know, over 60% don't believe in an absolute moral truth. Well, Jesus said, I am the truth. And you don't have to like it, but that's what he said. That's who he said he was. He was the truth, incarnate, um, personified, if you will. So this is this is really interesting. So now what what's the answer here when you've got these huge numbers of Christians? And this is, you know, we'll take it one step farther. <coughs> Excuse me, and then we'll kind of start wrapping it up. the uh, The conclusion is that around seventy percent of the folks that took this did not consider themselves to be born-again Christians. They would say they were Christians, but they wouldn't use the words born-again because they understood that it implied a much greater depth of commitment. At least that's what's indicated by the study. Can you imagine? Churches filled with people who would say that they're not really born-again, that they're not really Jesus followers. They're Christians in the sense they go to church nominally, but not Christians in the sense that it's changed their lives. So what's the answer? Um, You know, for us that are Christian leaders, pastors, teachers, leaders, church planners, apostles, prophets, whatever, um, for for us, it's so very, very vital that we teach God's Word clearly. There's such a lack of a defined Christian worldview today. Christians don't know what to believe. And in some cases, obviously here, um, when you look at the survey, there are people that are going to church and not being taught the truth. In some cases, they probably are being taught the truth, but it's just not connecting in a way that's changing their lives. So for us who are Christian leaders, it's up to us to teach God's truth clearly, uh, simply, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and without compromise. Um, For those of you who who are Christians and maybe struggling with some of the things we're talking about here today, um, I would ask you to explore what it means to have a truly Christian worldview, the kind of worldview that shapes everything around you. Because I think what we do in society, and we'll We'll probably talk about you know this whole worldview thing as we move on, but I think the thing with a um, we do in our society is we compartmentalize, and you know I've got my job, I've got my my family, I've got my church, and we compartmentalize everything, and and we don't want any overlap between our different compartments. But the reality is, Jesus came to be Lord of everything. Lord of all. And as Lord of all, that should shape that should shape the way we view life. Everything should be viewed through the lens of our relationship with Christ. Our job, our families, our relationships, our money, our leisure time, everything should be viewed through the lens of our relationship with Christ. Well, I'm going to wrap up there. Like I say, a lot of a lot of stuff to unpack there, and I, you know, really, I'm going to give you the link to the article. I want you to read it, take a look at it. It's 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 interesting. It's it's disturbing, but hopefully, it will prod us and maybe 
even um, stick us in the hearts to a point where we can't actually have a true reformation where we come back to what biblical Christianity really is. Now, um, I'd love to know what you think. You know, if I if I said something that uh, you know maybe offended you or stirred you up a little bit, that's great. Drop me a message, David at davidspell.com, or leave me a comment in the comment section for today's post. Go to davidspell.com. Make sure you subscribe to get my free newsletter so we can stay in touch. While you're there, make sure you check out all my books and everything else. Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and we will see you next week on Leading and Learning.